Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. This is uh, July 4th weekend, right? So a lot of you probably uh, have Tuesday off. Um, so you just took Monday off, right? Made it a five-day weekend. So I'm impressed you're here. Great to see you. I know we have a lot that are camping, traveling. Uh, before I jump in to uh, sermon, new series, I want to uh, just take a moment. Because last week, I was not here. I was in... Um, Indianapolis at our General Assembly, um, 25,000 Nazarenes in one place. It's pretty cool. Um, so uh, we do that every four years and had a good, good week with that. But uh, didn't have a chance to just say thank you uh, for those of you who uh, put time, effort, um, even ran in the 5K. Man, it turned out to be an incredible event. Uh, For year one, man, I just don't know quite what could have went better, but um, great start. It's definitely going to be an annual event, and I just want to say thank you um, to all of those who who, uh, put in time, effort, almost 150 runners, and um, over 10 sponsors, and we're going to be able to, we're going to have the opportunity to give a nice size check to Napoleon Parks and Rec., and so that, that's just a great thing. I've already had comments and interactions with community people. And um, I think it's doing what we were hoping it would do. And so thank you to those of you who were engaged in that. I even appreciate um, the people who, who, when they heard me talk about this, are like, yeah, I can't do that. Or that's not even something I've considered. They signed up. They came. I mean, I'm thinking of like Tom and Sandy Denny. They were like some of the first people to sign up. We've never done a 5K, but hey, if, it's, uh, if this is going to be something that we can engage the community with, I'm in. And so just thank you to everyone that's done that. I, do, uh, I, d- I was given something before service. Um, it's interesting how even little things get picked up on, right? Especially, uh, it seems like, in this position. And so that morning... Of course, I, I am running around like crazy. Just There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And um, I'm kind of, at times, a poor delegator, especially if it's like a first-time event. I really want to know what's going on. And, and so I'm racing around, and registration ladies are there. And, and one of them made a comment about something. And just offhandedly, I really didn't mean it seriously, but I'm just like, well, just suck it up, buttercup. You know, so guess what they did? They kept saying that all day, and they also made me a shirt. <laughs> so I get to wear this next year, or maybe I'll just wear it every couple Sundays or something. Just, I really didn't mean it seriously. I, you know, wasn't trying to be. But uh, also, this has been an extremely uh, difficult week for me personally. Um, and there's something I don't ever talk about personal things hardly from here, unless it's in the context of maybe my own spiritual walk. But um. Uh, I have a really, really, really good friend, uh, uh, really good friend, who uh, lost their nine-month-old baby in a car wreck, and um, and so just being there for them, um, trying to uh, be supportive, um, not really walk through it with them because that's, <laughs> um, but uh, they are just in a really difficult place, and. Um, uh, I'm just asking you guys to pray with me about this. Um, 
I just feel like it's one of those things that needs to be saturated with prayer. Um, she just received news on Friday that um, her physical condition, um, there are some issues. You, I didn't even explain what happened, did I? She was driving, uh, his wife, with the nine-month-old, got in a wreck, fractured her back, and he died. And um, she's just receiving word now that her physical condition, there's, there's some things long-term that are, um, are going to be really hard. And so she's in the, one of the most vulnerable, darkest places you could ever be in. And, um, hey, I'm shouting out to a lot of people. We need to pray for these guys and um, trust the Lord to continue to strengthen them and them just to be able to rest and trust in, in Him. All right, are we alive this morning? We seem like we're sleepy. Are we tired? We stay up late. I heard fireworks last night. Were there fireworks in town? Oh, that was Greg and that was Greg and Renee. <laughs> well, let's jump into uh, a new series. Uh, I'll start it off with this way. It was August 31st, 2004. Um, it was a Burger King in Richmond Hill, Georgia. Um, 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, a restaurant employee going out as they're starting their day, goes out to take trash to the dumpster, and as he comes up on the dumpster, he sees a man laying behind the dumpster, unconscious, um, sunburned really bad, um, all ate up with ant, red ant bites, and uh, he calls, emergency personnel show up, but there's no ID on the man. So they take him to the hospital, have no idea who they're dealing with. Uh, they begin to help him. And he comes to a place where he gains consciousness. And they realize that uh, there's something else going on here. He had three uh, places in his head where it looked like he had definitely been uh, struck with blunt force trauma. And uh, he has no idea who he is. He cannot recall anything. They ask him his name. He's not sure. He finally throws out the name Benjamin. And um, nothing. And for day after day, week after week, they have nothing on this guy. He doesn't know where he's from. They don't know how to get in contact with anybody. This stretches on for not only week after week, month after month, but it becomes a year after year thing. In fact, he, they gave him, or he picked, the last name Kyle. So they just started to call him Benjamin Kyle. Um, and it was so sad because when he had went in to the hospital, he had cataracts on his eyes so bad that they needed to do surgery. And when they did surgery, when he was able to look into a mirror, he didn't even recognize himself. He had been in such a, a condition um, this kind of gained some national news. Maybe you watched this. He was on Dr. Phil. Um, Dr. Phil had him on just trying to give some exposure. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? He has no idea, and we have no uh, way to, to, uh, to locate anybody that knows him. And so from 2004 until 2015, people just kept working at it and working at it. And he would remember bits and pieces, little puzzles, uh, like a little, like, 
pieces in a puzzle. He would remember a way like this, and, and he remembered a couple digits of his social security number. And so they were actually able to figure out, well, he was born either Illinois, Wisconsin, or Indiana. Come to find out he was born in Indiana, lived in Indianapolis. And he would say things like he remembered that he liked the grilled cheese at the Indiana State Fair, just random facts that would come out, but he still could not figure out, and they could not figure out. They did DNA testing, the FBI did all sorts of work, nothing, nothing. They finally, they're bringing in teams to work with them, and they get nothing. Until last year, last year, after 12 years and a lot of testing, they were able to figure out who this guy was. And this is what he said on his Facebook page. <laughs> I find that amusing. The guy who doesn't know who he is has a Facebook page. How does that make all of you that don't have Facebook feel? <laughs> Pretty bad. Should no. He figures this out. A little over two months ago, I was informed by the team that they had established my identity using DNA. Many people shared their DNA profiles so they could be compared with mine. And through the process of elimination, they determined my ancestral bloodline and who my relatives were. A DNA test was taken by a close a DNA test taken by a close relative has confirmed that we are related. And on November 21st, 2016, Kyle's true identity was revealed to be William Burgess Powell. Thought about that story. How obviously a traumatic event changed everything in his life. How it would be to get up every day and not recognize and not know who your friends are, who your family is, where you came from. But then ultimately to look in a mirror and look at yourself and not even know your name, not even know who you are. That would be um, unbelievable. And um, I want to spend about seven weeks talking about someone who was on the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. We're going to take seven weeks and look at seven statements that Jesus made. His I am statements all throughout the, New, or throughout the Gospels, really, John. This is a man who is not having an identity crisis. In fact, these are some of the most bold, audacious statements ever made by a man. It makes Muhammad Ali screaming, I am the greatest, I am the greatest, look like an amateur. These statements Jesus makes. He is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as someone who has no identity. He knows who he is. But you know, the more I've thought about this series, jumping in, starting to bite into it, um, figuring out where are we going with it, what does it mean for us, I have, keep coming back, I have kept coming back to this one word. I think that this series and these statements has an, have an angle to it that we need to really consider. And it is summed up, wrapped up in this one word, identity. Identity. You see, Jesus, in these statements, is boldly declaring his identity. I am. I mean, it's about as bold as you can get. I am 
the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Bold. There's no, there's no uh, sense of, I'm not sure what I'm about, who I am, where I came from, what my name is. But yet in those statements, and I think why they were given, one of the reasons, was to create for us a sense of identity also. Or here's the series statement for the, for the, for the series. He reveals his identity to shape ours. He reveals his identity to shape ours. And what I'm worried about is, oh, we're going to talk about the I am statements. I can say those. I know those. I remember five out of seven. You might be saying that. Or I remember, he's, you know, and, oh, that's going, to be some, uh, that's, going to, that's going to be some interesting information. Or maybe you're like, man, I don't, that really, what does that have to do with me? I already believe in Jesus. I already think he's the big deal. I already, this, you don't have to convince me that he is all those things. And so it's easy to say, well, that's just going to be some kind of information. No, I think that as we dig into these and we begin to realize what each one of them meant in the context and why he was saying it, it really has incredible, incredible value for our own identity. I think this is an identity series. I am, Jesus said, this, this, and this. But in those I am's, as we begin to realize what it means when he says those and what it means for us, it will then begin to shape our identity. But you know, this is a week one. We always call this an intro sermon, a context sermon. It's probably not a very exciting sermon is what I call it. Week one of a series, I'm always like, let's get into it. Let's set some context I think for us to understand better and a launching pad for this series going forward is we need to take a peek back into the Old Testament. And on day one, first Sunday, let's understand why this statement, I am, has significance. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, the first three chapters of Exodus. You remember the story. Sometimes you don't, so I always kind of recap it. This guy named Moses. This guy named Moses who's born as a Hebrew in a country, Egypt. His parents are slaves. Um, And he is born in a time when there were so many Hebrew boys being born that the Egyptian pharaoh feared that they were going to so mass populate that they would be able to then by force overrun the Egyptians. And so he called for all Hebrew boys to be killed. And Moses is born in that context. And he is preserved. Remember, he's put down by the Nile in a, in a basket. And, and the way the story works out is he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. And he's taken to the palace. And for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he lives as a prince, an adopted son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he, becomes, he becomes one of the who's who in all of Egypt. Everything going for him. In fact, a lot of historians think that probably he was one of the the few candidates that could have maybe even had a chance to be a pharaoh. Forty years as a prince. Forty years of success. Forty years of everything. Forty years where, honestly, his identity wasn't much in doubt. Successful, 
um, uh, secure, confident. Moses knew who he was and everybody knew who Moses was. But you remember that one day he happened to come across one of the Egyptian slave owners abusing one of his fellow Hebrew, Hebrews. And something in him welled up with anger and he touched a, a sense of who he was inside as far as his nation and who he had, who he had been born into and, and really I think who he loved. And in anger he killed that Egyptian slave owner. And in fear, he runs because he realized what he's done is so, uh, so uh, <clears throat> twisted the, uh, the, the, the cultural uh, norm, acceptance, that it was going to be a big deal. And so he runs. And you remember, he runs to the desert. And there we find in those chapters, Moses, for 40 years now, on the backside of a desert as a shepherd, nowhere, a nomad, um, with nothing. I mean, you talk about two huge contrasts. Prince of Egypt, shepherd on the backside of the desert. It's into this story, it's into this life that we uh, are introduced in Exodus chapter three to God acting and God speaking. You remember Moses is out one day and he's tending sheep and he notices that a bush is on fire. The amazing thing was that wasn't abnormal at times, but the amazing thing is he notices the bush just keeps burning. It doesn't burn out like most of them would. Dry desert wood would be consumed fast. This one just keeps burning and he's attracted to it as he gets closer. You remember the voice of the Lord speaks to him and says, Moses, take off your feet. You're on holy ground. And he's, he's, uh, he's overwhelmed by the realization that this is God speaking to him. And you remember God tells Moses, listen Moses, I have seen, I know what, our, what your people are going through in Egypt. My people are going through in Egypt. And it is time for me to act. I've made a promise. It's in my big plan to, to use these people later. And they are so oppressed and they are so... Uh, in misery, they're crying out to me and I've heard their call and Moses, you are the one I want to lead them out. Remember that? And this is where we pick it up in verse 10. So now go, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you recognize in that statement who am I? Who am I? It shows you the toll and the effect of 40 years in the desert, what it's done to Moses. 40 years ago, he was so confident, he took justice into his own hands. He was, he, I mean, he was literally, now life has happened, circumstances have hit, and he's literally in a place where he's like, who am I? Who am I? You see, I feel like in what we're about ready to dive into, it's in the context of identity going on. Who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Isn't this just like the character and the nature of God all through Scripture? I will do it with you. I will go with you. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not going to help you with. 
And this will be the sign. I'm willing to go with you. I'm willing to give you a sign. That it is I who have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, it's a bush talking for one. That would get my attention pretty fast. Honestly, a voice out of heaven would get my attention really fast. Any of you guys witnessed that yet? No. I mean, there's no mistake that this is God. And Moses should have clued in on that. And when God's saying, listen, I'm speaking to you. There's a bush burning like that. Um, You remember the other stuff that's happening? And he's saying, listen, I'm going to go with you. And in fact... Moses, I'm telling you, this is God speaking to you. You're going to come right back here. I'm willing to give you that sign. This is how Moses responds. Moses said to God, well, suppose, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what, what shall I tell them? It's, it's kind of like this. <laughs> I like this. I got to find it here. Sorry. It's like this. Look, God, whoever you are, I can't just go back to Egypt and say, well, get this, guys. I was in Midian and I was talking to a bush. Man, that got nothing. That's funny. First service was all over it. You guys, you were the late crowd. I know, you're the late crowd because you've been partying all night. So. That sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? I was in Midian talking to a bush. God, I'm going to need a name. And this is how God responds. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is God. He responds with a verb, not even a noun. I wish I could do that with my name, but I can't. He says, you want to know who I am? Well, I, I am, it's the verb to be. It's the idea of, I am, I've always been. It's the idea of continual being. It's the idea of I was, I am, I will be. I'm the big deal. I'm the source. I'm everything. Moses, I am who I am. Tell them that I am. And he goes on to say this. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. The one who is God of all those people is the one who's sending you. He's the one who is now identifying himself as the I am. Or in this verse, He refers to himself as the Lord, and he uses the word Yahweh, Yahweh, which becomes the most sacred word in all of Israel's uh, thought. Here, it's here. 
that he begins to identify himself. You realize in Scripture, God has called a lot of things. He's, he's uh, revealed as a lot of things. But when asked who he is, this is how God responds. I am. I am the I am. Okay, Moses, if you need a name, I'm the Lord. I'm Yahweh. And as God begins to reveal himself to Moses, he's saying, listen, Moses, I am, I am sending you. And when you stand before Pharaoh, you are going to be able to say, I am here standing, representing the one who is and was and is to come. You say that's pretty simple, right? You're not telling me anything new. This isn't very deep. Or, but I want you to understand to keep reading here. Because, again, this is how verse 17 reads. I have promised to bring you out of misery in Egypt, into the land of all the ites there, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I think it's interesting that when God calls Moses and reveals himself to Moses, that his primary purpose in doing so is to redeem people, to redeem his people. He reveals his identity in a place where he is then going to do something about helping, healing, reaching his people. You know, it's actually in Exodus chapter 6 where you get a little bit more insight into this. Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, where he says, um, God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared, uh, go back one, Kalen. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as what? God Almighty. It was El Shaddai. But now, but by my name, the Lord Yahweh, I, do, I did not make myself fully known to them. But now, in the context of redeeming people, of changing their lives, of rescuing people, of bringing salvation, this is what he says. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. You say, Chip, I have no idea why you're wandering around here saying this. What I want you to understand is when Jesus, as we go through this week after week, and he says, I am this, and he gives color to it, and he gives description to who God is, what he's about, and what he's done. In that simple statement, I am, he is identifying, yes, as deity, as God. There is no mistake in John chapter 8, 58, when he says, before Abraham was, I am, he is telling them, listen, I am God, the Son come in the flesh. But it also is something for us to clue into that when God reveals himself in this way and when we use this kind of phraseology, I am, it's always been in the context of what is God going to do? It's not simply he is and wow, look at that. And, and it means something greater. It means something more. And so when we 
when we dig down in this, this series and we say, I am the bread of life, it's not just some fact and it just doesn't make sense from Old Testament and it just doesn't fill some kind of typology or, or um, some kind of symbolism. It's really Jesus saying every I am statement is, I am this and this is what it means for you. And this is my identity, bread of life. But in that identity, I am calling you to interact with that, to grab something from that, and it actually began to shape your own identity. I am to be Yahweh always, always has been, always was, always is, is source, is giver, is, is life itself. And when Jesus says, I am, he's identifying as the one who is, but it also was given to Moses when it meant something for his people. Are you following me? I don't know. I'm going to shut it down real fast. Can we just grab that though? I am the bread of life next or whatever's next week. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It means something to you. It means something to me. It is truth, not just to be, ah, oh, it is truth that says, you know what? In this statement and what it means and what it's about, it's so important. It's so much of a, a place, a source for me. I need this in my life to, not, to then shape my identity. See, I am or identity statements, but in those identity statements Jesus makes, he is trying to create in us an identity. His people who live by the bread of life, who walk in the way, the truth, and the life, who experience the resurrection and the life, a resurrected life, who know what it is to be a part of the kingdom because he's the door, and that means kingdom living, to know that he's the vine and we are the branches, that we are absolutely dependent and sourced by him. All these things are more than just informational facts about, yeah, Jesus is great. It means something for your life. And my hope is that after seven weeks of looking through these statements and understanding them better, we walk away and realize, you know what? This is who he is, but this is who he is shaping me and molding me to become. This becomes my identity. Bread of life means something to me. It becomes a part of who I am, what I do, how I live. And so... Please come with hearts that aren't like, um, I already know that statement. I already know about that. Light of the world, I know what that is. Do you? What has it done to change you, to shape you, to mold your identity? That's an easy one, right? You have become the light of the world. I am the light of the world. You are the, see there's so much going on here that this, the identity he has is being transferred into molding and shaping our identity. All right? <laughs> I don't know. This is like one of those Sundays. I don't know. Let's pray. Father, Lord, 
I know this isn't exciting, but it's foundational. Lord, the I am statements should really shape who I am, who I am, because I'm following the I am. So Lord, speak to us in these weeks. Open our hearts and our minds. Lord, allow us to see how you so beautifully crafted and revealed what these things mean, and how they fill or fulfill a a portion of life or an aspect of life. And by the time seven statements are given, we're like, wow, everything he said, it affects every part of my life. It helps me to become even more of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It shapes who I am. It makes my identity. And so, Lord, we pray that as you reveal your identity, it shapes us. It molds us. It works in us. Bless this series. Bless this time. Help us have a great week fun celebration with family and friends and uh, just be with us every every day and every way I pray and Lord we pray as we go um, just bless in Jesus name Amen